Welcome to the October 22nd, 2020 episode of Blood Podcast, your source for innovative ideas and cutting-edge information. Our topics are based on articles published in Blood, a journal of the American Society of Hematology. Today, we will learn more about the immune defects and granule dysfunction in the leukocytes of patients with the rare recessive platelet disorder, gray platelet syndrome, review a study that examines the cost-effectiveness of first-line versus third-line ibrutinib in patients with chronic lymphocytic leukemia, and review a manuscript that proposes a diagnostic classifier to facilitate the diagnosis of childhood autoimmune lymphoproliferative syndrome. Our first topic is a study entitled Novel Manifestations of Immune Dysregulation and Granule Defects in Gray Platelet Syndrome by Matthew Sims from the University of Cambridge in the UK and international colleagues. Gray platelet syndrome, or GPS, is a rare recessive disorder caused by biallelic variants in the NBL2 gene. Patients with GPS are characterized by bleeding symptoms, the absence of platelet alpha granules, splenomegaly, and bone marrow fibrosis. The name gray platelet syndrome was derived from the initial observation of the gray appearance of platelets with a paucity of granules on blood films from a patient with a lifelong bleeding disorder. The discovery that mutations in the neurobechin-like 2 gene, or NBL2 gene, are the cause of gray platelet syndrome has been a key advance in this disease and has improved the understanding of platelet and granule biology. However, due to the rarity of the disease, it has been difficult to fully understand the pathogenic processes that lead to these clinical sequelae. The NBL2 knockout mouse phenocopies the features of human GPS. In addition to the known defects of the megakaryocytic platelet axis, the authors and others have reported these mice have an increased susceptibility to bacterial and viral infection associated with increased organ damage, lower survival rates, longer time to recovery after infection, and immunological dysfunction. In addition to the well-known alpha-granule defects in platelets, these mice have been found to have significant defects of secretory granules in natural killer cells, lymphocytes, and neutrophils. And it has been shown that mast cells of NBL2 knockout mice are deficient in storage vesicles and monocytes also have reduced granularity. These findings in mice suggest that NBL2 is important for normal granule function in multiple hematopoietic cells, including megakaryocytes, platelets, and a variety of myeloid and lymphoid cells, and that these defects are associated with more types of leukocyte dysfunction than previously appreciated. However, it has been unclear whether the immune cell defects seen in the murine model are relevant to the pathophysiology of gray platelet syndrome in humans, as only a small number of patients have reported recurrent infections or atypical presentations. In this study, Sims and colleagues established an international collaboration to systematically evaluate clinical and laboratory phenotypes in an international cohort of 47 patients, focusing on features related to immunity. They followed up with a detailed molecular characterization of plasma, platelets, and three different leukocyte populations using both protein mass spectrometry and RNA sequencing. The authors found that there was considerable heterogeneity in NBL2 genomic variants, identifying 70 different variants overall, of which 32 were novel. 
In addition, they noted a variable degree of bleeding symptoms, with five patients having none, a high prevalence of cytopenia of at least one leukocyte type in 77% of patients, elevated B12 levels in 91% of patients, and bone marrow fibrosis in 57% of patients who had a bone marrow biopsy. There was no clear association of granulocyte or monocyte cytopenia or of splenomegaly with bone marrow fibrosis, and there were no significant genotype-phenotype associations observed. Overall, the authors identify several novel features of human GPS, including reduced leukocyte counts, a high incidence of autoimmune diseases, hypogranularity of myeloid cells, and a pro-inflammatory plasma proteome not previously associated with this rare bleeding disorder. These results support a role for NBL2 in the function of granules across a wide range of blood cells, resulting in chronic inflammation and altered immune responses. According to commentary by Conetti Rao from the Lewis Katz School of Medicine at Temple University in Philadelphia and Deepak Rao from Brigham and Women's Hospital and Harvard Medical School in Boston, this study demonstrates that gray platelet syndrome is more than a platelet disorder, but is rather a systemic disorder encompassing leukopenia, autoimmune disorders, inflammation, and infection, likely all due to NBL2-associated granule dysfunction in multiple cell lineages. Our next topic today is a study entitled Cost-Effectiveness of First-Line Ibrutinib versus Third-Line in Patients with Untreated Chronic Lymphocytic Leukemia by Kishan Patel from the Yale School of Medicine and other colleagues in New Haven, Connecticut. Chronic lymphocytic leukemia, or CLL, is the most common leukemia in adults, accounting for approximately 30% of all leukemias in the United States. Median age at diagnosis of CLL is between 67 and 72 years, with the incidence expected to increase given the aging population. While CLL is generally incurable with standard therapies, many patients have been effectively managed with active surveillance punctuated by periods of fixed-duration chemoimmunotherapy. Historical CLL cohorts have had a median overall survival of approximately 10 years from diagnosis. Targeted therapies have become a mainstay of CLL treatment. An abundance of different treatment options, including combination approaches, are being tested in clinical trials. Use of once-daily orally administered ibrutinib, an inhibitor of Bruton's tyrosine kinase, has led to meaningful responses in CLL subgroups, typically resistant to standard chemoimmunotherapy, and given the promising activity seen in high-risk CLL patients, ibrutinib has gone through testing in the first-line setting as well. For example, the Alliance study, a large phase 3 trial, randomized treatment-naive patients 65 years and older to ibrutinib alone, ibrutinib in combination with rituximab, or standard chemoimmunotherapy with bendamustine plus rituximab, or R-bendamustine. The ibrutinib-containing arms reduced the risk of disease progression by more than 60%, with two-year progression-free survival rates of over 80%. 
In contrast to the fixed duration of treatment in the arbendamustine arm, patients in the ibrutinib arms received ibrutinib indefinitely until disease progression or intolerance, with approximately 63% still receiving treatment at the time of data cutoff. While ibrutinib used in the first-line setting reduces the risk of disease progression compared to fixed-duration chemoimmunotherapy, this continuous treatment comes at a significant cost. Ibrutinib is priced at approximately $160,000 per year in the U.S. The authors hypothesized that compared to ibrutinib, Fixed-duration regimens such as rituximab-bendamustine or rituximab-venetoclax may be less costly due to the limited time on treatment, particularly when considering total health care costs over the many years of CLL management in each patient. Patel and colleagues therefore developed a strategy to estimate the costs of using ibrutinib as first-line therapy in older adults with CLL, compared to reserving its use until third-line after the failure of contemporary fixed-duration regimens of R-bendamustine and R-venetoclax. Patients entering their model mirrored the cohort of patients in the Alliance study. This patient cohort had a median age of 71 years, 67% were male, 61% had an unmutated IGHV gene, and 6% of all patients had a 17p deletion. The authors estimated transition probabilities from randomized trials using parametric survival modeling. They used lifetime direct healthcare costs, quality-adjusted life years, and incremental cost-effectiveness ratios to calculate cost from a U.S. payer perspective. A key assumption was that there is similar survival between patients randomized to ibrutinib or chemoimmunotherapy with crossover to ibrutinib at progression, which is supported by available clinical trial data. The major finding was that using ibrutinib as first-line therapy led to significantly higher healthcare costs compared to delaying ibrutinib until third-line following failure of contemporary fixed-duration regimens with overall similar predictions of survival. Alternatively, for ibrutinib to be used in the first line for all older adults with CLL, the model predicts that a considerable price reduction of at least 72% would be required to produce more widely acceptable incremental cost-effective ratios. The authors claim that given the potential economic burden of CLL in an era of ibrutinib and other targeted therapies, the study results emphasize the importance of incorporating cost-effectiveness into treatment recommendations and assessments of clinical value. In an accompanying commentary on this study, Karsten Niemann from Copenhagen University Hospital in Denmark suggests that to effectively use targeted therapy approaches in CLL, clinical researchers should combine molecular and genetic omics data with data assembled in electronic health records. Utilizing what is referred to as big data could improve the identification of patients at the highest chance of benefiting from a specific treatment approach. Neiman goes on to state that stringent cost-effective analysis based on published clinical trial data with subgroup analyses defined by omics and big data should be encouraged by health authorities and the scientific community in order to achieve treatment optimization along with cost-effectiveness. Thank you. 
Our final topic today is a study entitled Key Diagnostic Markers for Autoimmune Lymphoproliferative Syndrome with Molecular Genetic Diagnosis by Emise Molnar from the Laboratory of Immunology and Cellular Therapy in London and Samuelweiss University in Budapest, Hungary and other international colleagues. Autoimmune lymphoproliferative syndrome, or ALPS, is a rare immunodeficiency syndrome caused in more than 80% of cases by germline or somatic mutations in genes that are part of the extrinsic apoptotic pathway, specifically the genes encoding FAS, FAS ligand, or caspase 10. This pathway normally limits the proliferation and viability of activated T lymphocytes. Interestingly, the patients tend to have high levels of CD4-negative, CD8-negative T-cells, also known as double-negative T-cells. They have also been reported to have levels of soluble FAS ligand, interleukin-10, and interleukin-18 in the serum. Patients present with a variety of findings, including non-malignant chronic lymphoproliferation, unexplained lymphadenopathy, splenomegaly, or immune-mediated cytopenias. Less frequently, patients present with autoimmune nephritis, hepatitis, uveitis, arthritis, or colitis. Further, patients with ALPS and also genetically affected siblings without an ALPS phenotype are known to be predisposed to developing several malignancies such as solid tumors, including thyroid, breast, and liver, or leukemia, and the risk of non-Hodgkin lymphoma is up to 50 times higher than in the general population. After it was first described in 1992, there have been several efforts to define the diagnostic criteria necessary to confirm the diagnosis of ALPS in new patients, of which the ALPS 2010 diagnostic criteria are widely used. The ALPS 2010 diagnostic protocol defines four major criteria, including chronic non-malignant lymphoproliferation of greater than six months duration with splenomegaly and or lymphadenopathy, elevation of double negative T cells to greater than 1.8% in peripheral blood, defective in vitro FAS-mediated apoptosis, and the presence of a pathogenic genetic mutation in FAS, FAS ligand, or the CASP10 genes. Along with these major criteria, the ALPS 2010 protocol defines minor criteria, including multilineage cytopenias, elevated levels of IgG, IL-10, IL-18, or vitamin B12 in serum, and increased S-FAS ligand levels in plasma. At least three major criteria, or two major and two minor criteria, are required for a diagnosis of definite ALPS. The diagnostic protocol was updated according to the working definitions for clinical diagnosis of primary immunodeficiencies of the European Society for Immunodeficiencies, where elevated double negative T cells was only a major but not a required criterion. Suspected ALPS was defined as the fulfillment of two major and one minor criteria. This group was created to include those patients who have possibly received immunosuppressive treatments at the time of the referral. Blood samples were obtained from 215 Great Ormond Street patients who belonged to 197 unrelated families, along with clinical and laboratory data. Patients were categorized into definite, suspected, and unlikely groups, and laboratory parameters were compared among these groups. In this study, 
Molnar and colleagues conducted a retrospective analysis aimed at reviewing the ALPS 2010 diagnostic criteria and defining the most predictive and useful biomarkers and their combinations. Of the 215 patients, the authors found that 38 met criteria for definite ALPS and 17 for suspected ALPS. The remainder of patients were classified as unlikely. Lymphoproliferation, with or without splenomegaly and or lymphadenopathy, was the most important clinical manifestation of ALPS and presented in 97.1% of the definite ALPS population. Furthermore, all definite and suspected ALPS patients had elevated double-negative T-cells. However, 51.5% of patients with an unlikely ALPS diagnosis also showed abnormal DNT levels, and thus, the specificity, 50%, and the positive predictive value of DNT, 43%, proved to be relatively low. Definite ALPS patients also had a significantly more abnormal in vitro apoptosis function test than patients with suspected ALPS or patients not meeting the ALPS 2010 criteria. In addition to genetic testing, lymphoproliferation, abnormal apoptosis functional test, and increased double negative T cells were the most sensitive markers while the presence of elevated IL-10 and IL-18 were additional useful indicators for ALPS. The combination of elevated double-negative T-cells and an abnormal in vitro apoptosis functional test was the most useful combination to identify all types of ALPS patients. The combination of an abnormal in vitro apoptosis functional test and elevated soluble FAST ligand was associated with patients who had mutations in the FAST gene. The findings of the study support that elevated double negative T cells is an essential major but not required criterion for ALPS. The use of biomarker combinations could accelerate the confirmation or exclusion of an ALPS diagnosis and can be especially useful when molecular analysis is also not available. The study results should help guide targeted combinations of biomarkers resulting in more rapid diagnosis. According to Kenneth McLean and Nitya Gulati from Texas Children's Cancer Center and Baylor College of Medicine, the study findings support the value of the biomarkers defined in the revised 2010 ALPS diagnostic criteria and provide data on additional reliable biomarker combinations that could expedite the diagnosis and treatment of patients with ALPS without needing to wait for genetic diagnosis. They claim the study provides valuable criteria to define patients who truly have ALPS from those who do not. Limitations of the study include the retrospective nature, lack of availability of outcome data, inability to correlate specific abnormal biomarkers with clinical presentation, and missing information on treatment and disease course. Additionally, they were unable to evaluate sensitivity or specificity of biomarkers such as B12 or others. For a list of additional authors, as well as more detailed articles and commentaries on which this podcast is based, please go to www.bloodjournal.org. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of Blood Podcast. Thank you for listening.